0: You're listening to the Let's Talk Strata podcast hosted by Mark Mercier. Whether you're a tenant, lot owner, caretaker, or industry professional, this podcast is for anyone connected with a body corporate or strata title. Tune in every fortnight to hear thought provoking discussions with industry leaders and experts on topics both practical and technical
1: that will spark your interest.
0: Welcome again to the Let's Talk Strata podcast podcast dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge views from pinnacle industry experts and leaders on all things strata in queensland today our special guest is peter krogan peter is the head of customer experience of the picker group now just a little bit about peter After 19 years with Telecom Australia, Peter in 1994 joined the strata sector in Queensland, establishing the Queensland Division of Purchases Strata Inspections, a company originally established by Gary Bugden in Sydney. That business conducted strata records inspections for potential purchases of strata units and management rights. Peter directed and grew the business up until 2002, where he joined a body corporate management company in Noosa. That business was acquired by Body Corporate Services in 2006, where Peter became the branch manager for BCS. In 2007, he was selected by BCS to set up and manage Strata Management Joint Venture Company in Dubai, in the UAE, in conjunction with National Bonds, the Emirati Bonds Saving Corporation. Peter returned to Australia in 2012 and took up a position of Regional Manager for BCS QLD, and after an organisational restructure in 2015, became the General Manager for the Picker Group in Queensland. In May 2017, he was appointed to his current position as Head of Customer Experience for the Picker Group. And... Peter is also a current director of Strata Communities Association in Queensland. Welcome, Peter. It's an absolute pleasure having you on board today. Thank you for coming.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mark. It's my pleasure, too. I'm very happy with what you're doing for the industry.
0: No, that's great. Um, thank you so much. It's always great to get feedback um, like that from um, you know influential guests mm-hmm. such as yourself. Now, you've got a very um, in-depth experience in strata management in Queensland. What's been your uh, experience in development of strata in the time you've been
1: in that industry? Yeah, sure, Mark. Um, I think there's been a changing demographic and people that have moved into strata. When we first, or when I first arrived in uh, 1994 and I was searching records, a lot of the stratas were small, mm-hmm. six, 12 backs, and except, with the exception being the Gold Coast, where there was a lot of high-rise holiday letting. The emergence of the urban renewal programs have seen massive high-rise constructed in our major cities. These high-rises are much more complicated. They're mixed-use developments and they all pre- pre- present... Um, different challenges to committees and to the body corporates therein. The other interesting thing that I have seen is also with the demographic changes we're getting a retirement of a lot of baby boomers and these people have come from uh, heads of organisations and corporations, captains of industry and they want to see their stratas run like the business from they've just left and so it places a hell of a lot more pressure on a strata manager itself. Um, The role has changed from being a secretarial, uh, administrative, treasural role to that of a trust advisor, an expert of everything that is involved in a particular building. And just on that, um, a typical modern high-rise building can have up to 87 compliance items with various state authorities uh, and various Australian standards etc uh, etc et so the whole thing has changed the buildings have have come from being smaller walk up six 12 20s gated communities are still very much a, a part of our environment but the uh, the move to the bigger inner city urban living living has created a lot of um, different challenges for the strata management industry
0: yeah and the community uh, development plans that are coming, Coming on board here mm. in Queensland are, are quite detailed and significant. They mm. contain a lot of mm. um, infrastructure that wasn't there before. Mm. We're seeing things like uh, electric charging stations for electric cars and yeah. and all that new stuff that's mm. coming on board. How do you manage that uh, in new developments and also existing developments? Implementing those things there. Well,
1: I think it's very important to. Uh, to get on board at the start of the development where uh, you have a look at the concept of the plan and there is a, uh, a stronger reliance on the strata industry now to be involved early rather than when the building is finished and handed over. Um, There's concepts of embedded networks for you know cheaper energy um, services mm-hmm. for your owners. Um, the issue with, of car charging stations. If you don't put in the right infrastructure from the start, the charging station the draw of power out of that can Mm. can affect the other common property and and the other users. So I feel that the developers now recognise the professionalism of the strata industry and that they see that if we can't do it ourselves, we've aligned ourselves with good third parties. And these third parties have also seen the opportunity in strata. So they're all lining up to be part of the whole development of the service delivery for the particular scheme
0: mm-hmm. and it's about delivering a holistic service isn't it and um, when you get in at the beginning you've got a chance to implement and embed best practices and yep. and pretty much lay the groundwork
1: for a well-oiled machine moving yep. forward don't yep. you yep oh yeah you do and look um, the developer themselves I mean their main interest is obviously the construct and the handover but a lot of them now are putting their reputations on what the community is going to be like after post delivery mm. and the important thing there they want to make certain that their reputation is not damaged so we are finding the particularly the larger developers that they want to put in proper strata titled communities so that benefits are quite obvious and proper sharing of costs um, mixed use developments mm-hmm. is uh, you know and BMSs are a, a big yeah. issue where if they're not put together properly they can start a conflict conflict from day one absolutely
0: on. yeah and um, getting all the pieces of the puzzle together uh, comes back to how it's established in the beginning what kind of plan you register certain Mm. elements of the Mm. of the scheme under um, how you lay out um, recreational facilities and infrastructure there it all comes down then ultimately to how a committee then views that because they start to take the reins for the for the body corporate and sometimes in the layered scheme it gets a bit more complicated, doesn't it? So well, when you've got a
1: principal and subsidiaries. Sure, sure it does. And, uh, you know, I can go back to the days of the original Sanctuary Cove where, you know, primary thoroughfares, secondary thoroughfares, principal bodies corporate Mm -hmm. and then subsidiaries bodies corporate. Now each of those they started at the top layer and they moved down and of course there was a cost association for that large Mm -hmm. development, um, you know rubbish removal, there was also uh, a lot of money spent on insect removal because of the midges mm. on the Gold Coast, etc. Mm. etc., et, cetera, et yes. cetera. Um, security of the precinct, and also the fact that there was a large uh, common area that uh, brought in a lot of the public, and we had to be certain that those sorts of um, arrangements didn't impact upon the owners who were buying very expensive assets in the various enclaves within the development um, I was not involved, obviously, in the start-up of of Sanctuary Cove, but that was the model, I think, that that gave us the heads-up that if we're going to do anything like that in the future, we should really learn from the experience of uh, that large community. And then that followed on with Hope Island as well, and there's a lot of other examples since then.
0: Yeah, for sure. And looking at the committee's expectations, um, once all that's in place, and assuming that's uh, you know best practices have been laid down, how do you manage committee uh, committee expectations as as a manager, as a third party trusted advisor facilitator?
1: Well, uh, Mark, I, I think that's the crucial thing in today's society: is uh, people don't want to be on the committee. Uh, until there's a particular issue that happens in a lot of instances mm. but those that are very active they take it upon themselves to educate you know what what are the arrangements say with a with a with a bms what obligations are what are the budgets etc cetera, etc cetera. but there is now a stronger requirement that i think in the strata sector the strata management companies should have education programs programs for Mm -hmm. the committees. The Commissioner's Office has gone very much down that path, roadshows. In our own company, we do client nights where we bring in experts and uh, we're moving towards an era of committee training. The problem is uh, apathy in um, strata communities. That's endemic all over the, in fact, all over the world Mm -hmm. from my experience, overseas as well, is uh, getting key people interested and then retaining them. Um, in making certain that they're well aware of their obligations, they're well aware of their rights, uh, in order that you can sort of dampen down you know, some of the power struggles that, and the alignment of the mm. various um, factors within the building. So uh, education is prime, yeah. regular edu- education is prime, keeping them up to date, um, I think that's just essential.
0: Yeah, and just a shout out to the Body Corp Commissioners online course, uh, which is very useful and yes. contains a lot of information that, uh, yeah. you know, committee members can tap into. Of course, um, there's a wealth of knowledge out there in communities, aren't there? Uh, there's, um, you know, you'll find engineers, accountants, sure. yeah. and um,
1: getting them on board can be uh, quite useful for the scheme because uh, they can provide a lot of input. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about committees is you really don't know their experience until they start nominating for themselves. Mm. And if there is um, a minimum nomination or you haven't reached the maximum number, uh, you get the people that have been nominated. It's only when you get uh, more nominees than they're required, uh, that's when we ask people to you know, put in a small profile and what is their expectation of being on committees. But in most instances, you don't know the skill mix until the election has been held and you attend the first meeting and then an issue for instance may come up about an embedded network and you may put a recommendation to them Then some will say well I'm an electrical engineer or I'm a project engineer Mm. and I've got experience in other sectors, um, particularly in the area of defects, building defects. Um, You just don't know. You may have a project manager with a lot of experience there that will guide you through the process. Uh, And in some instances, you know, there are people that get on committees that... um, Think they've got a lot of knowledge, um, mm. but they don't understand they've got to operate within a framework of legislation. Yeah. And that's a different sort of challenge, particularly um, in light of uh, you know committee expenditure limits, the frustration they feel of having to go back to owners on a lot of occasions mm-hmm. as well. So uh, you don't know your skill mix. Uh, until it's elected and you run mm-hmm. your first committee meeting and until the first issue presents itself. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people out there with um, good financial backgrounds and they're excellent for the budgeting point of view um, and that's, that's essential, to have, that's key to a committee. And the next key person is the chair, who's no, normally the conduit between the strata manager and the committee um, and it's important that make them well aware of what their roles are and then you start to work on the skill mix as the issues arise. Mm.
0: And certainly um, a committee nomination form that almost um, invites the the nominee to, or the candidate, to indicate their
1: expertise would be nice for a manager, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, as I mentioned previously, it's only in those situations where the secret mm. ballot, uh, there's more nominees and the required positions that's when we will ask them to, to give us a small profile uh, and to enable the owners, uh, you know, to, to pick the person best suited. Uh, the skill mix is different because um, you know, your day to day challenges are in strata. I mean, you may be in a large community, we've got a management rights issue, um, there may be an assignment, there may be a person going for a longer term, and that sort of flags that perhaps they are ready to sell. Uh, there are problems of airbnb Mm. how does a strata manager assist in those sorts of situations um and then the most recent uh problems we've had is the uh the cladding issue which has been introduced by the parties now from all that you work out your various skill mixes and if you haven't got the skill mix as i also mentioned previously there is a large number of uh, third parties that are aligning themselves with the strata sector where you, you it doesn't take you long to get the right advice mm. and bring them to the table. Yeah, complicated job for the body corporate
0: manager to um, often uh, elicit the type of uh, collaboration that you need to get people onto the committee. Um, what do you do when you can't get a committee formed? Obviously there's the administrator provisions in the yeah. legislation, but how do you enliven the interest of in the committee
1: in the com- community rather to actually join and form the committee that's an interesting one mark um you mentioned you mentioned there are the punitive provisions of a an administrator appointment mm. that usually hits them in the hip po- pocket nerve and they'll say okay well I'll do mm. it they don't want to be paying that you know a double charge of a A body corporate management agreement and then on top of that you've got an administrator agreement so that usually gets someone to the table in a lot of instances it's not necessary for the right reasons it's there just to reduce the cost Um, you you really got to get to know your owners and uh, one of the things that the challenges that we're finding is the time to get out and do your site visits to meet your chairs or potential mm. chairs potential secretaries potential owners um, we do a um, and most companies do as well is a welcome, welcome letter and a pack goes out and it talks about the role of the committee and we encourage people with skills to to go on those committees but in reality There are a lot of occasions we just don't get nominees, Mm. and you start ringing around and you talk about the implications of of, um, lack of interest, there's going to be a reduction in asset value if you're not looking after the maintenance, there'll be under-provisioning if there's no proper budgeting, under-insurance if they don't take their responsibilities seriously, and the other issue is the amenity uh, of the environment by the adherence to bylaws, etc. There's a range of tools you can bring, um, and in some instances, you know, people will say they'll only come on if they're paid, but then that's a matter for the owners at at a general meeting, and, um, and then a lot of them don't like that but at the same time there's a lot of managers or or i should say a lot of committee members that deserve to be paid because of their expertise oh, for sure and it's yeah. uh sometimes a thankless job
0: isn't it oh it definitely uh, is yeah. yeah so um obviously the administrator provisions are not ideal from a manager's yeah. perspective because you then start to take on all the responsibilities yeah and that creates uh potential liabilities there it it also takes away the the will of the community to exercise its rights over the scheme um so looking a little bit further to how the manager and you're really well suited to to give that insight because you've had that experience from a manager Mm. perspective and Mm. also from the client experience Mm. perspective you really have to see it from both sides don't you from from the um, administration side uh, the body corporate manager yeah. but also from the committee side how do you reconcile the two things when they want more out of
1: the manager look there are a lot of people out there now that don't appreciate the basics the basic uh, deliverables of a normal uh, administrative agreement they don't understand there is confusion between a body corporate manager and a property manager. Mm. Uh, in actual fact, that confusion is so rife that some of the strata management companies are thinking about um, initiating property management as part of their service delivery mm. as well. But look, I, I think, uh, particularly in where you're, you're going into these administrator situations, yes, we do take that risk seriously. Um, you're responsible for the the common area uh, you know under the workplace and health and safety legislations you're also have got that tremendous liability in relations to insurance any out of the compliance items that may be imposed (laughs) by other state bodies Mm. uh, we work hard on encouraging a committee rather than taking an administrator appointment and i think you'll find that's rather typical Mm. uh, in the industry from what i've seen um, and in a lot of instances, if we think the risk is too great, we'll um, we'll remove our agreement. Yeah. So
0: how do you analyse the committee satisfaction or lot owner satisfaction? Obviously there's a lot of touch points that come uh, with owners, yep. occupiers, actually. You know, impacting on on what the committee does um, and also interfacing with yourselves as body corporate managers how do you how do you capture that data well
1: well mark there are probably um, there's two parts to that is uh, the smaller committees where you have probably or well, the smaller buildings smaller schemes is you have a lesser touch point because uh, you may be only uh, contracted to do say uh, you know a budget meeting and a general meeting Um we're encouraging our um, strata managers to do site visits to be seen on the property to do walk arounds and to liaise with the committee so then there's a trust that this person's got the interest of the building Um, unfortunately in my experience you know years back there were a number of a lot of strata managers had never seen the buildings that Mm. they had managed but we're introducing a lot of technology and it's happening throughout the industry where we're enabling number one the customers to self-service themselves through proper portals and secondly uh, to enable our strata managers to add more value by going out and doing those uh, site inspections liaison budget preparation so there's an expectation of what Mm -hmm. we're going to do for the next 12 months in the larger schemes um, invariably there's either quarterly or monthly meetings so you're meeting these guys on a regular basis Uh, you get a feel for the interaction the the relationship build up because uh, strata management whilst it's uh, legislatively driven it's all about uh, relationships with your manager and relationships with your owners it's, it's people management rather than managing the numbers and the budget so mm-hmm. it's very important that you get to know your committees uh, in our own company um, we identify and ring um, high net worth schemes um, on a regular basis uh, we've got a program of touching them with you know, what we call customer care calls. Mm-hmm. Um, post We're looking at uh, post AGM surveys. Uh, we've got contact centre trials happening at the moment where you've got the automated stay on the line type survey at the end of end of your call. Um, there are another, other touch points such as insurance claims where we manage the claims process uh, right from the claim to the assessor, right to the repatriation, repatriation of the damage and then we'll say, well, how was it managed? Now you've got to be careful in relation to that because we've just gone through, you know, a major flooding Im- mm. uh, impact up in Townsville, um, and you're dealing uh, with a lot of uh, schemes that didn't take flood insurance, mm. and therefore getting declined claims. So that then becomes uh, management of the expectation, the liaison with the uh, the insurance companies and the brokers to look at what they can do in relation to um, you know the repairs and the damage. So. Uh, I always encourage uh, when I was a particular manager is to have the chairman uh, on my radar on a regular basis and the treasurer they're the mm-hmm. two people that um, seem to be the power plays within the committee some other times there are factions that develop um, and you've got to remain independent it's very hard to remain independent because you know half of that committee or half of that faction is quite happy with your services and the other half think that you're uh, aligning yourself too closely Um, with the other side and you've got to remain impartial as much Mm. as you can. Uh, The more automated we get, uh, the more ability we'll have to have customer touch points. The use of uh, AI, um, um, data analytics is very big in industry nowadays. We've got a multitude of data that we can can pick out and we can pick out trends and, and then hopefully get an earlier warning of where our stress points are.
0: Mm. It's about strata retention then, isn't it? Oh, definitely And, is. and keeping yeah. everyone happy. You can't always keep everyone happy, no, of course. No, uh, But it comes down to education and providing the necessary information out there. The BCCM legislation is complicated. Mm. Um, I think everyone will agree on that. Um, there are some things that you can do to make things more palatable and, and easier to digest there. But at the end of the day, they rely on their manager to know the legislation and have that foresight to potentially move it to the right person like a legal advisor or uh, someone with um, say structural engineering or or some other professional. But how does a manager stay on top of the legislation because it's so so huge?
1: Well, uh, you mentioned uh, at the introduction that I'm on the board of SCA and I nominated for the mm. board for the reason that I'm a big believer in um, educating and the professionalism um, to be perceived as professional by the sector um, whilst I know we'll talk about licensing shortly. Um, the SEA plays a very big role in uh, an accreditation pathways with Cert 4s uh, moving to diplomas of strata management uh, We strongly encourage, well, we do encourage and we ensure that all our managers um, start uh, um, their training career pathway and that they achieve the required CPD points. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of uh, in-house training capability within our company because of the size, but uh, I see it uh, on a regular basis that those that aren't in the room attending the training are the problems in the industry. Mm -hmm. The ones that don't want to commit to... Uh, an industry sector that don't want to commit to a code of behaviour and don't want to to commit to a continuing education program, they're the problems that that give the industry a bad name.
0: Yeah, and almost every industry that has a peak body does have that need for continuing professional development and ed- education, mm-hmm. which is really important. Um, and of course, we've had James Nicholas from SCA, and yes. we've also had Derek Walker from RMIT yep. that deliver mm-hmm. um, very poignant yep. uh, educational services to the industry. Um, where do you see the educational pathways moving? Do you see it, um, and perhaps if we move towards that licensing, topic, um, do you see it being integrated as a
1: peak body that has teeth perhaps? Oh, look, SCA is is increasingly showing that it's got influence mm. with government um, you may be aware the tight timelines that uh, the um, Uh, QBCC placed on the cladding, Mm. Uh, the intervention of um, Simon Barnard and Katrine Watson, our executive from um, SCA Queensland, the lobbying and unfortunately some media exposure through the courier mail um, prompted the government to be a little bit more lenient with that particular compliance. But look, uh, that sector, the strata sector, we will we'll not get licensing in my opinion in the next 5 or 10 years and in fact there's no appetite in government for it and there's no appetite because it means another government department to handle you know licensing uh, and also regular checks and mm-hmm. CPD and etc cetera, etc cetera. there seems to be a tendency by the current government that uh, They'll agree that there needs to be a minimum standard as far as education is concerned. And then an association um, with an industry body, they'll never mandate that. But that in itself is an adherence to a code of conduct and a commitment to continuing education. Mm. So... You know, way back in 1994, when I entered the sector through the Body Corporate Managers Institute of Queensland, mm. which was the first one of the first bodies, um, licensing was the number one agenda item, and it has been to the CTIQ and then SCA. And you know, after a period of 24, 25 years, we mm. understand that uh, governments would rather go down the path of industry re- of self-regulation, mm. and also. Um, you know by compliance and commitments to training I believe by setting a minimum educational standard for the sector I think that's essential mm-hmm. uh, but then a commitment through an industry body to commit to continuing pathway um, uh, career pathway accreditation is the way to go. Mm. Of course the New South Wales experience is interesting because they've
0: got uh, some licensing um, requirements through the fair trading yeah. there how do you find that compares to what we're
1: doing here in Queensland?
0: Well, well, Mark,
1: uh, unfortunately, there's been fraud under the Department of Fair Trading licensing arrangements. Mm. So, you know, whilst there's only been, you know, a small number of cases, it indicates that people do slip through the, the filters mm. and the checks and balances. Uh, we... Uh, Our company is uh, heavily exposed to the Department of Fair Trading in New South Wales. Um, uh, We've got a head licensee, we commit to regular CPD in-house training. Um, We are on to any of the matters that uh, uh, hit that body. Um, and um, particularly compliance with uh, licensing in each of our branches. Uh, we're very compliant and we enjoy a very good reputation in New South Wales. Mm. Now we have a lot of um, Strata managers that uh, tune into this podcast.
0: Um, perhaps um, looking now towards some of the internal operations. Um, Staffing is really important. Staff retention is very important. We've talked about education which is critical. What uh, What's your experience with um, Really looking after the internal operations of, of staffing. Sure.
1: Yeah, look, we um, uh, we're not the only company that has done this, but we've moved from the annual performance appraisal to what we call honest conversations on a monthly basis, where we'll look at the health of the portfolio, we'll look at the stress point of the strata managers, we'll look at uh, the revenue performance, um, and these are a very private discussions that will expose where there may be weaknesses in our managerial delivery or there may be where uh, an employee needs support of some sort. Um, We have an external provider that uh, provides uh, all sorts of um, consultancy services in relation to mental health, stress, family relationships, domestic violence, etc, etc. And that's all uh, free uh, to uh, the families uh, and the staff member themselves. That's very popular from that point of view. We've got our own internal, what we call the Pika Perks program, where we can get discounts and, uh, on mortgages, and we can get discounts uh, on health packages as well. Um, but it still comes down to that one-to-one uh, monthly honest conversation where you're looking really at the health of the employee. Um, the health of the employee will guarantee the health of their particular Mm -hmm. portfolio as well. It's a stressful
0: job though isn't it? Uh, Being a body corporate manager how do you uh, find is the best practice tips to managing stress if if you're a body corporate manager?
1: Look um, the biggest stress is overload Um, the volume of uh, email traffic we get and through social media we've got 24 7 contacts so we're being bombarded a lot more than we were, say, ten to fifteen years ago. Um, the only we're, we're working as a company very hard, as is everyone else, to automate as many of those uh, requests as possible. So a lot of our customers can self-service. Uh, we we all, we've got a support regime with our staff that um, we can call on resources of, of another branch for instance if there's an overload like I mentioned in the Townsville situation mm. you know we've taken a lot of the day-to-day work while the staff can concentrate as far as that's concerned. Uh, it is a stressful job um, you, you don't know what you're going to get when you take mm. on a particular scheme and you don't know what you're going to get in a lot of instances when you turn up to some of the meetings you don't know what's working behind the scenes um, as I mentioned beforehand, you have various fact- factors, uh, factions within committees. So it's it's to be aware of where the stress points are, to relieve the stress points as far as you can. And in some instances, you may have to move the manager on to a lesser stressful portfolio, and then look at ways of reskilling them. Uh, and as I mentioned, we've got a third party. That can look at the well-being of the of the mm. of the staff member as well. Yeah, and one of the most stressful
0: moments for a manager, I would suggest, is um, some of the uh, activities that happen in a committee meeting or an AGM yeah. or EGM. Um, what are some of the things that uh, a manager can do to perhaps prepare and, and manage those conflicts and and challenges in a meeting situation?
1: Well. I was personally involved, I've been involved in a lot of this because the head of customer experience also deals with complaints and um, you get complaints in to say your managers are lining themselves, I'll put in an application for some structural alterations and I believe the manager's not supporting my application. Well, my first point of activity is to get that person in for a face-to-face, to sit down and say, what are you looking for? Tell them what the guidelines are th- through the bylaws, tell them what the requirements are to get it to an AGM, and that if the motion is defeated, you talk then about the dispute resolution procedures through the Commissioner's Office and the mm-hmm. fact that it's an independent review. So they feel as though they've got advice on what they should. Put up the expectations of the committee on, say, particularly like an alteration, and then if they don't get that through the annual general meeting um, through a lot of reasons, and a lot of it comes with personalities mm-hmm. and factions, then they've got a dispute resolution procedure um, as a third party to mm-hmm. review the whole process. It's important that you can't align yourself with these factions. If a if a manager, for instance. Uh, Goes in to say well look I'll work and I'll lobby the committee members. That's not their role. The important thing is is to make certain that the client is well aware of how they make their applications or how they should handle their issue you tell the committee their obligations whether it's in the expenditure limits or whether it needs to go to a general meeting and then um, you've got to then, you're very much at the whim of mm-hmm. the, all the owners and it depends, and I've also suggested to some of the owners to do your own lobbying within the community um, to show people what you're doing so they're not fearful that you're going to ruin a view or you're going to change their own uh, peaceful enjoyment of their own Mm. lot I think that's important as well
0: yeah and uh, looking at uh, those challenges um, it's important for the manager to be well equipped with um, knowledge about the scheme dynamics of what's happening there Um, what about conducting meetings generally Um, it's a very technical thing often things like secret ballots and Mm. committee ballots um, Mm. can get very technical Um, what are some of the things that the body corporate manager can arm themselves
1: with in terms of skills I'd like to answer that in two parts Uh, the AGM runs to a very uh, standard agenda it's statutory motions and you can control those meetings reasonably well If you know there's going to be discussion in relation to uh, a particular motion, uh, you alert the parties Mm -hmm. that they can have two to three minutes each um, and each person can have their say, and then people have got a right of reply. uh, And then once that's happened, you say, Well, let's put it to a vote, and off you go. The same with um, committee meetings themselves. Mm -hmm. You can uh, talk to the chair before the meeting and you can say to them, Well, We've got a certain timescale we need to get through. These are the key items. If you feel as though we are uh, stumbling over a particular point, I'll come in and say, look, I believe there's been enough discussion on both areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, I urge you to either put it to a vote now or let's put it aside. We'll do more investigation and come back for the next time for for the agenda. It's very important that uh, a lot of chairs don't want to chair the meeting, so you're sitting next to them and you're handing them notes or you're nudging them to say, look, there's been enough discussion. Um, if there's going to be a poll, let's call a break. We'll do the poll calculation and we'll get back to the meeting or the secret ballot. Uh, mm. We need to have time in relation to that. We can open the meeting up for general discussion, uh, community-type issues, but we can't vote formally because it's a, an AGM. Um, The other issues particularly when an owner wants to come to a committee meeting and and provided they're given the statutory 24 hours notice to the secretary that they want to attend you make them aware that the chairman will make the decision as to whether or not they can speak Mm. uh, and they've got to adhere to that otherwise they'll be asked to leave the meeting so you make the all the parties aware of what their rights and obligations Mm. are but at times you know, you have to sit in there and say, well, look, I'm sorry, but I've heard both sides of the argument. There's been a lot of discussion. Let's bring it to a vote. If it gets defeated, there are other avenues and we can we can defer this or talk at another stage. Mm. A lot of issues never get resolved, obviously. Mm.
0: And it can get quite technical when you're uh, looking at validity of, of voting, yes. um, ruling motions out of order yeah. and then following that procedure. Yeah. Uh, and then managing um, any disputes or um, issues to do with any ballots um, and then counting them and then if you get equal votes say on on a committee um, uh, ballot then um,
1: you know ruling on on how you'll best uh, meet that uh, difficulty well that's right there needs to be an agreement and in some cases it comes to a toss of a coin it does doesn't it and it, mm. it if the meetings happy with the way it's going to be resolved that's fine because we understand the chairman's got no um, uh, additional voting rights uh, a lot of occasions uh, a lot of those motions are just declared lost They're you know two mm. four two against so it's lost and so you, you cannot move on from there. Mm. In some instances, people may say, well, look, let's let's do it by a toss of a coin. And I've seen commissioner's orders where he's validated that arrangement as well. And absolutely. And in fact, I've had
0: personal experience where... Um I've actually used an app to toss the coin um, so that's out there the technology is there for it uh, if you what? don't have a
1: coin in your pocket what did you throw the phone up was it the back or the front <laughs> <laughs> excuse my ignorance of that method it's,
0: it's <laughs> interesting uh, you can download uh, an app that will actually um, flip a coin and uh, and give you the heads or tails um, it's amazing yeah. Uh, so yes, technology is important, and if we go on to that, um, technology is taking over a lot of industries. But for the strata industry, we're still paper-bound, aren't we?
1: Definitely, definitely we are. A lot of the, the industry or the software providers um, are out there pro- producing their own vote, voting online tools. Um, which are excellent. Um, there are meeting management packages that'll do agendas and do your minutes. It'll populate your database mm-hmm. with your levies and your uh, committee members, uh, so that's done autom- automatically. Um, and particularly even when you come to a poll, it'll mm-hmm. do those calculations for you as well. Uh, a lot of those uh, in our own particular company, we're moving to uh, you know a cloud-based. And part of that was an automated management system mm-hmm. uh, because there's a hell of a lot of paperwork in the old days that needed to be generated. And uh, and then that causes an argument because your costs go up because of that the nice. disbursements. And, you know, some meetings where you've got, say, an engineering report, you might have an assignment of management rights and you know, various reports. You can spend up to you know ten thousand dollars on mm. disbursements. Yeah, um, where it's much better now to be able to go online portals and view the documents through a drop top, dropbox like mm. type facility. Um, but the uh, the the automation and the you know the apps. For instance, now you can use an app to go out, take a photo of a, a loose gut ring um, send it in, and copy it into one of your suppliers. Will give a quote mm-hmm. by the time you get back to the office. You've got the quote, and you can do an um, automated electronic vote Mm -hmm. outside of committee Mm -hmm. attach the photograph to and have it all done um, just with a matter of a couple of pushes of a button Mm. we're moving into a very exciting area as far as that's concerned Um, the governments or or the the legislators are taking a while to catch up with a lot of that but I think I know with this uh, property law review we're currently going through at the moment you know, whilst the big issues of lot entitlements have been put to bed, thank God, mm, um, yes. and the other big issue of uh, you know, extinguishment of a the scheme, they're going to have a massive impact going there. But are they recognising the need for a, a lot more electronic participation by owners? Mm.
0: Particularly for meeting notices, they can go up to 150, 200 pages sometimes. Yeah. Um, And certainly when I'm looking at, uh, with a keen eye on the legislative reforms, and we'll certainly be looking at a second edition of Body Corporate Law in Queensland uh, textbook for that. Um, But there's a lot of lobbying that... uh, different uh, groups uh, peak body groups mm. are, are doing mm. to meet the interests of their own stakeholders what about for managers what would you see as a great result for managers in terms of law reform
1: well uh, I believe you know the old chestnut of lot entitlement caused a lot of stress yeah. within our communities because there are never a win-win situa- situation so that that's been put to bed now that caused a lot of grief in the earlier days as far as that was concerned um, less paperwork move to electronic interactions is going to be much better for, for us as far as we're concerned um, more automation more self care by the managers uh, self I should say self um, service by owners is going to be great mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the, um, you know, the old procedures about uh, distrib- distribution of, uh, you know, the minutes of a vote outside mm. of a committee, for instance, I mean, it's, it's unnecessary if you have a portal, you can just put it on. That's and, right. And, it, and once it's posted, it's deemed that it's been distributed. I think they're very important provisions that yeah. come along. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the managers, uh, we lobby very hard from the point of view of SCA mm. as to the improvements we like to see. Um, but you know, I don't think that we um, you know we have a lot more to offer other than electronic delivery, um, the reduction of red tape and the requirements for distributions of, of minutes, etc., etc. Um, you know, voting rights of owners, um, you know, I think that that's quite fine. Um, the rights of tenants um, was taken care of in mm-hmm. the New South Wales legislation. It hasn't been addressed in. Queensland, we've got to recognise that there are a lot of people now who have, cho- have chosen to be renters rather than mm. purchasers, having their, their say within the runs of their community or because a lot of the times they're the ones that might take out the bins, look after the common area themselves because they have pride, mm. whereas a lot of the investors um you know, they may leave it to the tenant to look after it, but the tenants under Queensland legislation have got very little rights whatsoever.
0: Mm-hmm. Strata managers are a very important cog in the strata machine. Um, but often when it comes down to appointment of a manager, it comes down to cost. How do you manage that aspect of things? Because typically in Queensland, um, usually managers will charge on a per lot basis. Mm. Uh per lot per Mm, annum mm. and then you multiply that through by the number of lots. Mm. How do you manage that aspect of costing uh, the service for what the committee wants and that harps back to our issue about managing um, expectations of owners for what they're paying and my experience certainly is that um, uh, body corporate managers role
1: is very undervalued in Queensland. Definitely, definitely. Look, it does come to, um, you know, the price seems to be the number one consideration. There are a lot of very astute committees out there that do a comparison of the various uh, contenders for the body corporate administration agreements. There is, in high volume areas of competition, there's a real race on keeping that management fee per lot down. Mm. There is, uh, seems to be a move to more bundled Disbursements, fixed cost type operation. But the real value um, as a trusted advisor is through the Schedule B where there's a whole range of activities which are outside your normal 20-odd um, listed duties in the Schedule A of your agreements. You've got to make the uh, committees aware, and I think I mentioned that at the start, is if you meet on site and you tell them, well, this is the standard arrangements, what we do for you, if you want us to project manage a a painting project or you want us to to handle, um, you know, upgrading your sinking fund forecast or insurance evaluations, a lot of that, yes, we can do within our normal charges. However, if, um, for instance, during, you know, a large insurance claim, we've got to coordinate assessors and builders and do site visits and let owners know, well, you know, we make them understand that this comes at additional cost. But if you... Set the expectation at the Budget Committee uh, level by going on site, agreeing what you're going to do within a particular development for that year and just put a, a small uh, provision in there for Schedule B activity, mm. then they know that you're going to be charging for it. You must always seek approval before mm. you initiate a Schedule B charge mm. and explain exactly why it is a Schedule B charge. Um, the cladding is a perfect uh, example of that. Mm. Um, the first part of that cladding uh, certification was to actually get the certificate of classification to determine whether or not that, that particular building mm-hmm. was caught by the legislation. So, you know, you had to go off and seek certificates of classification and, uh, you know, that's an additional duty. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of instances. Uh, uh, it does come down to price initially, but also I think it's important to promote the strength of your company, the resources you got available within your company, the team approach to managing the scheme rather than a single strata manager managing the scheme. I think that's essential Mm -hmm. that uh, if the strata manager is not available there's always someone that they can be in contact with to handle their particular matter. Um, I mentioned earlier the high volumes of emails and phone calls um, that is the most crucial crucial sector in managing a scheme. If you don't get back don't answer your phone and you don't get back and reply to your emails they're feeling unloved. And Mm -hmm. in this current 24-7 social media environment we're in, um, and often some instances they'll send you an email at 11 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and 8 o'clock in the morning and want to know, why they haven't got a reply. One of the things that we've equipped our managers with is uh, Surface Pros uh, and connectability to our network Mm 24-7. Whilst we don't expect them to work 24-7, there are instances where... Someone will get have a look at their phone, well yeah I can fix that and they'll do that on the weekend. Now as I said we, you've got to look after the well-being of the employees, um, they've got a certain bandwidth where they want to work but if a manager also wants to start out at a site he doesn't have to come into the office environment to log on, he can go out there mm-hmm. immediately log into his environment and to his database on site.
0: Mm. Yeah, and um, that's that's important uh, because now technology makes things a lot more immediate, doesn't it? Um, what are the future trends and directions in strata management then, from
1: the way you see it, from your perspective? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I mentioned that when I first started in the industry, the demographics were different, the expectations were different. There wasn't there wasn't the social media, and therefore there wasn't the immediacy of their needs. Now we've moved into a different environment, we've got improved technology, we've also got uh, more experienced and learned owners, so I think the important thing as far as concerned there is that we move, we automate as much as our day-to-day activity so the customer can self-service and allow our times to be relationship managers, our strata managers to be relationship managers more interac- interaction with our client base, more site visits with our client base to be seen out there, and also if there is a particular uh, activity in strata like the cladding legislation, is communicate with regular forums and the whole idea of community portals is you give regular updates as to as to what's happened. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be increased communication. I mentioned easier uh, earlier, I should say, about are we uh, going to introduce facilities, management-type activities property service type activities, Um, I think that's very much the way of the future Mm. where you'll see a building that uh, if it hasn't got a caretaker it may have a facilities manager or one stop shop that will look after all the requirements of that building including the 80 odd compliance items I spoke about and then the other other area as far as that's concerned I feel that uh, that strata manager then will be seen to be adding value uh, rather than being reactive we've got to be a lot more proactive mm. uh, we've seen the influx of energy networks in buildings and charging stations as you mean mm. um, putting a charging station in a building is not as easy as just putting it no. in, plugging it in because uh, a lot of the uh, the older style buildings haven't got that power bandwidth in the first instant to hand the surge in demand mm-hmm. and there was I, I did hear a quote in one instance there was a there were four buildings in one street in Victoria where the four uh, electronic vehicles, and if they are all operating at the same time, all the schemes would go mm, wow. uh, off the air. So <laughs> you've got to be—you've got to bring the expertise there. Um, you know, we don't—we uh, haven't got that knowledge, so we outsource it. And there's a lot of good industry suppliers out there that can you assist. So bringing the parties together, you're a real facilitator. Mm. But at the end of the day, you've got to be trusted as being the right sort of advisor. That's the challenge for our industry going forward. Um, I mentioned also the complicated buildings, mm. uh, the dilemma that you have between a large retail component and the, you know, the, the footprint that that puts on the building. Airbnb. Mm. Um, I was at a developer meeting recently when he said, "I know you can do strata, but what are you going to do about Airbnb?" And unfortunately, as you know, mm. there's a lot of restrictions with Airbnb. You can probably, you can enunciate through your bylaws conditions of Airbnb, but you can't prevent it under you the current legislation. It, you right. can't restrict it. Mm. So, you know, there are challenges and, and who knows what we're going to get in the future. I mean, there's um, we saw what the uh, scuba up mm. on the, you know, with Uber going underground mm, yeah. and um, buildings now being built with less car parks and just having... Uh, Access to Uber credits, um, interesting. You're having mm. uh, rooftop gardens, community gardens. There's a couple of developers out there mm. now that are. There's a line up of people want to get into a sustainable type product. There's a lot of pressures on sustainability as well. Mm-hmm. We're um, we're putting a big effort into our sustainability. Capability by partnering with the right sort of people. And as I mentioned, if we haven't got it, we bring those parties to the table.
0: Mm. Interesting about car parking, you're seeing a lot overseas, uh, very technological ways to manage car parking there, stacking them and revolving them and all that kind of stuff. An interesting time for Strata, uh, certainly in light of the law reforms that we're going to be seeing perhaps in the next 18 months and i think uh, the industry uh, gains a lot from your very insightful uh, discussion this morning Um, thank you so much for coming peter it's been a great pleasure thank you very much Mark. that's it thanks for listening to another episode of the let's talk strata podcast For your fortnightly dose of Strata Insights, stimulating discussion with leading Strata professionals, and to catch up on previous episodes,
1: subscribe to the podcast through letstalkstrata.com.au.